we uh, started a massive war, really. We just started a massive war with everybody and anybody and took over the system at that particular time. We definitely took over the system, you know, and um, a lot of people were fearful, really. You know, a lot of old school crims because we were so unpredictable and, and whatnot, but just because I don't want to see anyone go through the life I did because, um, to be honest, for 30 years I got tortured. Absolutely tortured. Young soldier of God. Steady march. Dear Heavenly Father, please watch over me and the brother here. Please speak through us. Please um, let this message pierce the heart, mind and the souls of the viewers. And again, we just thank you for this opportunity for us to share. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. All right, my brother, how about you introduce yourself and where you're from? Uh, my name's Andrew Kirby and I um, come from uh, Melbourne. Uh, Victoria. Big Andrew Kerbs back on the show. So this is actually um the second time, man. This is the first part two that I've ever done on this show. So this guy is back by popular demand. So um I'll leave it in the comments and in the description if you want to check out part one. But um this dude had a um a huge um reaction, you know, to his video. Uh, a lot of people enjoyed, you know, and this is uh He's the number one man that I've had that people requested a part two. So it's um it's awesome that the brothers had some time to uh take some time out of his day and and uh, jump back on the show. I mean, um, brother, how have you been since that first interview? Oh, mate, I've um had uh, a, a massive time once again. The system kicked me in the ass. You know, example of how the system will come back and bite you in the in the ass, mate. You want to follow this path and yeah. So, you know, I'm starting to rebuild myself and I've yeah. got a series of stories, you know, I've got to tell and uh, I just want to get it out there so that these young kids now um, can make better decisions than, than what's going on and um, not join that life, not get into it. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, um, again, you know, it's um, it, it had a bigger uh, reaction, uh, Andrew sharing his story here, positive and negative, you know, obviously, it was a huge positive outcome. Um, you obviously shed a lot of light on a world that not many people can speak on, especially back in Melbourne, you know, the uh, the circles that you got around with. A quick recap on that first episode. So Andrew Kirby here um, has, or oh, Kirby's, um, has spent over 20 years um, inside institutions there in Australia, going across from Melbourne, South Australia, Queensland. Um, he, in Melbourne, he got around with a um, a Nazi skinhead group that the movie Romper Stomper, which starred Russell Crowe, um, that was what the movie was based on. So again, Kerbs uh, has been able to, to give insight into that world that a lot of people can't because a lot of them are either spending the rest of their lives in prison or have died you know so um over the years in that life curbs has rubbed shoulders with a lot of different people he's rubbed shoulders with brendan abbott you know the um the postcard bandit you know um in prison in queensland so this guy has rubbed shoulders dane sweetman another um well-known name in the criminal underworld in melbourne the reaction very humbling very very humbling and, um, you know, I've, I've saved a few kids. Um, you know, I've got them into jobs. They're doing well. They're successful. They thank me. Um, so, you know, I'm out here doing the right thing. Most definitely doing the right thing by, by as many people as I can in the community 
Um, just because I don't want to see anyone go through the life I did because, um, to be honest, for 30 years I got tortured, absolutely tortured. And it's all going to come out, the whole lot. Yep. Case yeah. notes, everything. So so, um, so even the media contacted you, contacted you quite a bit, isn't it? The Underbelly series and things like that. Producers, journalists, you name it. Um, everybody has reached out. Um, to me for my story, um, you name it. Uh, one of the agendas um, that these people have in the media and whatnot is to stop the rise of uh, racial gangs that are on the rise again um, and the consequences into being a skinhead and, and um, whatnot because it's not accepted. It's not accepted in the prison system like it used to be. Um, the Muslims and Islamic people, they won't tolerate that. Um, the streets don't tolerate it anymore, you know, and the world we live in is multicultural and we have to accept that. People really um, really felt your story, obviously, again, giving insight into a world that little know, especially in that time. Um, I mean, to start us off, brother, I mean, well, if you wanted to start off where we did last time, I mean, um, you, you spoke on how you had a few near-death experiences, um, yeah. very close brushes with death. Um, yeah, um, and that's all led from, um, you know, being a neo-Nazi and having a label like that, um, people start to really dislike you, screws dislike you. They start putting you in really bad situations. Um, you know, a bloke was placed into a unit um, in South Australia and um, about a day and a half in I started hearing rumours, oh, old mate's going to cut your throat and leave you under the pool table. He said that you knocked your... You knocked his brother in um, Melbourne with Dane Sweetman. You um, hit him in the head with an axe, stabbed him 18 times and cut his legs off. So this guy was pretty pissed. The next, you know, the next day, I boiled up the urn and um, she's steaming hot. Um, I got the boiling water in a, in a jug and I went up and I went up to the TV area and I sat beside him and I said, hey, dog. Bang, splashed him with the, with the hot water straight in the face. He got up, he's screaming and screaming, what the f***? And so I just king hit him, bang, took the bit of skin off his face. He's carrying on, screaming, screaming. So then bang, hit him again. He went down, th you know, 30 stairs and the screws, you know, they said it was the most horrific um, thing they'd, they'd ever seen, you know. So, well, I get transferred out of Unit 13 and I um, go to B Division at Yatla and, um, you know, I'm not there long and um, my cell door sort of opens up and I'm counting one, two, three, four, five. Aboriginals are there, probably about 20, 25 deep, you know, um, and said, uh, you're racist, mate. Starting your hot water to an old mate because he was black who I hot watered, and the bloke in Melbourne was um, uh, half black. So I said, No, mate, old mate's a dog. And then I explained a little bit into the murder. I said, that, That's the whole reason, that's the whole shebang. I gave uh, Wayne the um, statement and he read over it and said, Yeah, old mate's a dog. So anyway, I thought they were going to knock me, and I was saying to myself, I'm going to sell my soul just to. And survive this and I'll tell you what I think I was cursed from that day on I thought I did sell my soul because I didn't think I was going to leave leave that cell alive and anyways um, I said you know they're, they're sort of discussing 
And I said, hey, listen, you've come to me so and you've called me a dog. And I said, we've got to sort this, you know. And old mate stepped forward, a little wiry Aboriginal, and said, yeah, all off and sort it. And he, he pretty much pumped me anyway. And it was done and dusted, went our separate ways. Now, just only months prior to that incident, there was a race riot in the actual prison um, where a couple of black fellas um, kidnapped screws, crims, held them hostage for days, stabbed them up, um, and all this sort of, you know, me being publicised in the paper sort of contributed to kicking off the race war, even though I didn't know or didn't have anything involvement or anything that these people over at Yatla Wilds at the remand centre decided, um, you know, enough's enough. And, uh, you know, they brought the army in and things like that. You know, you're climbing up cyclone fences, they're shooting you with beanbag bullets and like that. Then you've got to go on the suicide run straight back into the unit because they say, right into your unit now, you you know, whatever they're carrying on, screaming. They've got the army in there, the whole squads, you know, you're going through full-blown riots, especially back in the late 80s and 90s, there was massive riots. A lot of stories that are going to come out, like I said, factual-based stuff and, um, you know, stuff that's already been before the courts and things like that. I'm not going to be giving up anything or anything. I'm going to go into my trials with Dane and, um, you know, I'll make it quite clear right now that um, Dane was never convicted on anything that I was charged with and I wasn't convicted on anything he was charged with you know so so can you run in um, a game for the for the viewers and things who Dane was bro and what um, like, what how he was so well known in the system so Dane Sweetman became a Nazi skinhead and he was a big intimidating fella he was absolutely intimidating and people gravitated towards him and um I become a part of his close gang about probably six men and um, we become really close and um, we uh, started a massive war, really. We just started a massive war with everybody and anybody and took over the system at that particular time. We definitely took over the system, you know, and um, a lot of people were fearful, really. You know, a lot of old school crims because we were so unpredictable and, and whatnot, but Eventually, it all got knocked on the head. You can't sustain this life, you know. The higher you climb the tree, the more you expose your ass, the more people want you, you know. You're giving away everything, the more, you know, you're hunted down. You know, the gang ran for years. Dane's doing some pretty bad shit to other prisoners. It's common knowledge. Um, so Matthew Johnson, who killed... Um, Carl Williams, him and I think um, Basham screws in Arcacia, smash through the bulletproof glass and debash um, Dane and Greg Brazel. You know, there's um, paperwork about that incident. That was prior to the trial from hell. He was raping other prisoners. Um, there was a time where we had been accused of raping and murdering another prisoner um, and that... Uh, alleged prisoner who had gangland ties and all this sort of stuff and um, I had no involvement in it so I couldn't give it at the end of the day. My conscience is clear so I don't participate. So you were also speaking last time about how you had been shot, was it? That was another yeah, experience mate. that you had been through? Got out and um, all of a sudden my um, 
partner had started seeing this other chick and the kids were hanging out together and stuff like that. And this other chick's um, uh, hubby at the time, now this chick and this bloke are now deceased, um, he was a, uh, a heavy hitter in the underworld. This chick had kept coming around and this this bloke, her hubby, kept busting her up and, she, you know, we take her in and look after her. And he, well, he started threatening us, busting him up, absolutely pumped him um, and did a few things, rah, rah. And unbeknownst to me under the house, uh, allegedly was um, barrels of pseudo um, that he was meant to be babysitting. That all this went to trial and all this sort of shit. This was their own stuff, and um, there was a lot of police. Uh, uh, the corrupt police, the drug squad, were involved, and um, it all all come come out anyway in the end. And um, so things, uh, a chain of events had happened unbeknownst to me due to the pseudo and all this sort of stuff. And um, apparently someone's said, oh, oh go and fix it. And um, so one night I'm at home and um, I go outside to turn the back porch light off. I thought I'd seen someone down the backyard looking like a tree, acting like a tree because I was under the light and they were in the dark and couldn't quite see what, what was going on. Anyway, I said, hey, and, you know, I was yelling out to inside and I said, no, nah, don't worry. And I went to turn the light switch off and I pivoted back and old mate had come from the clothesline and just stuck his arm out and went boom and just shot me, just point blank right in the shoulder, went straight down, got bounced in my ribs, got stuck in there, blew me three metres through the air. I was had wounds all down the other side of my body and everything like that. So anyways, I get shot, bang, I hit the deck and um, old mates, um, stepped over me, gone down, picked the show up, and as he done that, I'm thinking to myself, "Get up, mate, get up!" Because if you don't get up now, it's it's the end for you, you know. So, boom, bounced to my feet and grabbed the old mate by the throat, and his eyes are just like that in the darkness, sort of thing. He's just like and bolted to the back fence and banged straight over the back fence. Now, in between that my stepdaughter had actually interrupted him because she'd gone to the toilet and she was always afraid of the dark. Now, the shooter had gone around to the side to hear who was pissing in the toilet and then's come back to shoot me. Well, she's gone to her bed and her bed's on the window. She's looked out. He's pointed the gun at her. She's ducked, popped back up and allegedly seen the rest of it. So that's how the story goes. As my mate's going out the front door, bang, the police smash through the front door. Where is he? Rah, rah, they've got hold of me, all this sort of There's a big commotion going on inside the house. I'm saying, we've got kids in here, we've got kids here. Like, what are you doing, you fucking idiots? You know what I mean? It was a coincidence that the police turned up after my shooting about three minutes, four minutes they smashed through the front door after I'd been shot. The closest police station's 20 minutes away. Get the bullet removed, all that. I come out of the operation. I'm bloody handcuffed to the police in an operation gown. Bang, straight back to the police station, right? I go straight back to the police station. I'm in the operation gown. My ass is hanging out, right? 
bang, she's on. What do you know? I said, I know nothing. I have no idea what the hell is going on, right? And some of these police that had been interviewing me have gone to jail for 10, 12 years for corruption, uh, not on my case, but on other, on other stuff. And um, six hours, they pumped and bashed me, and it wasn't until the mother-in-law turned up and said, we want him released, did they release me. Now, in between the interview, the time that I actually had been shot, five minutes down the road, Brendan Abbott and his crew had just escaped the Queensland prison system and had done an armed robbery on camera five minutes and said, come up with this story that Brendan was staying at my house with Brendan Berishon and all that. I've had an argument. Shots have been fired. I've been shot. They said that I'd let off shots because they took residue swabs from me. They said I was covered in gunshot residue. I said, of course I was. I've just been shot at point blank. Of course I'm covered in gunshot residue. So then they start coming up to cover their asses and all this shit that, um, yeah, we know Brendan was staying with you. Well, I can tell you, Brendan was not staying with me. It was just a coincidence that they had done an armed robbery. Wow. What a crazy story. I mean, um, especially with, so like I mentioned before, so you end up, ended up being in jail with that Brendan Abbott. So he's quite a notoriously well-known prison prisoner. I was actually locked up with um, Brendan Barishon as well, who they call Honch. So he was the one that broke him out of jail in Queensland and they were on the run. I mean, they made a movie about it. You know, he ended yeah. up, um, he ended up shooting those two coppers and that was how they ended up getting done. So, I mean, yeah, uh, right. that, that Barishon is in jail now here in Queensland, unfortunately. Yeah. But so how, how was that, um, Brendan Abbott, man? What, what, what sort of a bloke yeah. was he like? Brendan Abbott is a gentleman, mate. He, listen, he's a great bloke and I can call him a friend, you know. Mate, he can manipulate. He's got a bloody large IQ. He can do, he can manipulate um, all sorts of stuff. But, um, you know, he's getting on there and he wants to live his life, you know. He's embarrassed, um, you know, the system and the system really hate him for that. And uh, I actually, I, I had bumped into Brendan Abbott all through my life. It is unbelievable how we have just bumped into each other. Um, he was number one on Australia's Most Wanted and I was number two on Australia's Most Wanted. And I, I was pretty much, at, this is during 1990, you know, they had like massive manhunt for Melbourne, man, rah, rah, and all that sort of stuff. Um, when I got arrested in South Australia, they got Star Force out there, a helicopter, um, they drove up the street. They blocked it off. They drove up the street. They said, are you Andrew? I said, yep. They said, get in. Yeah, so. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I've got a lot of stories, you know, coming out and whatnot. And then, you know, so after being shot, um, still building up a bit of a reputation here, meeting people and whatnot, I start uh, hanging out with Carl Williams, cousin Steve Thornycroft. Um, and so I end up going to the map and I get sent upstairs because, uh, on management because I, I threatened to kill a screw and they took that serious and, um, I ended up in, in there. So anyway, this bloke's dishing, this cream's dishing out the meals and he comes to my cell and he, this bloke goes absolutely pale white and I've got no... 
Next minute, the screws come down to myself. I said, do you know that man, Andrew? I said, no, I have no idea. Well, he's a uh, cop. And he's saying that I can't be in the unit with this man because I'm alleged to have, um, you know, had involvement in his shooting. By this, I had no idea what was going on. And he just unearthed himself like that. I was like, wow, is this bike for real or not? And this cop ended up getting over 10 years involved in an armed robbery, left the police and was involved in an armed robbery with police, over 175 kilos of pseudo. Hey, brother, can I ask, so going back to like prison and Pentridge and all of that, I mean, yep. what 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 were sort of the stories, man, and the things that you were doing to in there to actually get that reputation, man? Like, were drugs involved at all as well, brother? Were, no, were, were many no members drugs. no drugs at all? No drugs, no drugs whatsoever, Neil. Um, I've pretty much um, I've binged on drugs throughout my life, but I've never been a continuous drug addict or anything like that. In jail, I do not take drugs. Um, I train, I train hard in jail. Um, you know, we ripped off a table leg and stuck it through some bloke's neck in um, one of the prisons back in that day. Uh, we were bashing screws. The uh, governor, Dane, bashed one of the governors. Um, you know, we got tortured. In the winter, they'd come in with a bucket. We'd be, like, stone naked. Um, they'd come in, you know, you're in a bluestone jail and... Um, Nothing, just just a steel bed, and they'd come in and throw a bucket of water on you. You'd be freezing, absolutely freezing, and um, you know things like that. And I remember also when I got extradited, bang! So I hit the laundry. I fall out with um, Doctor Death's brother, Peter Allen. Um, so Dennis Allen had killed thirteen people, dumped them in the Yarra. Um, he's the Pinnacle Clan, the Pinnacle Clan, uh, Victor Pierce. Dennis Allen, Peter Allen. So I have a little fallout with um, Peter Allen, Dr. Death's um, brother, and this leads up to the DDP portables um, in Pentridge in D Division and starts sparring me in the yard, putting me on show. And anyway, I slipped him and bang, just give him a couple, and he attacked me and carrying on. So bang, bang, we're into it, Colin Stratton, Lee Blackler and Fat Macca uh, split it up. said, oh, yeah, he's only a kid and he's a good kid. We love him. He said, he, he's one of us, man. What are you doing? Putting this kid on show, you know. So like that, you know, I've had to fight some men when I was a kid. And um, what, what was Chopper and that's reputation in there? Listen, I don't care what people say about Chopper. He's a psychopath. He, he's brutal. He's a big boy. He wasn't scared to fight, you know. So did you guys have run-ins with your guys' different gangs or was it a different time? Well, so anyway, he wrote to us, Chopper wrote to us and said, listen, we want to join the Ku Klux Klan and all this bloody shit. Dane wrote back to him and said, listen, you're a race trader, mate. And, um, you know, all this shit. Because um, Chopper had two screws with with pillowcases like the Ku Klux Klan, two screws beside him. He's sitting in the middle like this. And that's a photo in H-Division Pentridge. You know, and that's in his book. And um, that's um, Prito, the Prito brothers. Um, and one of the Prito brothers was the GM at uh, Barwon who went disappearing. 
um, not long ago, not too far back ago. So that's going back to the Pentridge days, the two other brothers, they're the ones in the photo um, with Chopper Reed. Mate, that, he, he, hit, he hit Richard Miladovich with a shovel. You know, mate, the guy took, a, took on Keith. Chopper would be rolling in his grave today laughing because Keith ended up giving evidence against people in the gangland wars, you know, and, you know, Chopper, he was a survivor in the end. He got he got, got by liver failure and whatnot, but he was a survivor and he could tell a hell of a story. Throughout the years, I mean, I, I had wars with Nam. Um, Nam was a big Vietnamese uh, triad, I think he was. Um and so when I got pinched for killing an Asian, um, it was a Chinese nationalist and um, the other one was had triad connections and um, apparently something to do with Nam. Nam always used to say to me, yeah, I'll kill you one day. This is all the Pentridge days, you know. One day, 2004, I think 2000, something around there, sitting in the unit at Port Phillip, in comes Nam. Drops his stuff straight away, walks straight to my table. I've got a plastic bread and butter knife um, and a fork. And um, he's like, we not fight after all these years, we not fight, you know. We have a bit of mutual respect, rah, rah, um, And so that sort of ended that. And he wanted to train with me. And I, he used to do one-arm chin-ups and, like, mate, this bloke's big. This, this nam's big. And um, I used to think to myself, there's no way I'm getting on the bench press 200 pounds or something on top of me, and he's trying to spot me. Mate, that thing, he'd let that guy crush me all day. <laughs> so I wasn't that far stupid. But, um, you know, and then there was other examples. Uh, Sharuk, uh, who who died, um, Shura Sharuk and um, uh, Ahmed Hadara, placed in the same unit together. Apparently those families were at war, you know. So this life's not cracked up to be to what it's meant to be, you know. There's screws play some serious games and probably play some serious money on some serious fights. Oh yeah, they play games all right. I mean I have a mate, you know, um he was placed in the in a unit that really shouldn't have been. I mean, but it's not like he's gonna say anything to them, but placed in a unit where he shouldn't have been and um, you know, he had to fight for his life in there, you know, he got stabbed up, neck sliced, everything, you know. Soldier though didn't drop him, you know what I mean? Didn't 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 yeah. drop drop him, nothing like that. But the screws know what they're doing, you know what I mean? Well, and if they don't like you, that, yeah, they'll, man. they'll they'll get you. You know, the day um the day Steve and Carl Williams and all that got arrested, um Steve Thorningcroft, Mick Thorning, Sean Sonnet and all that. So they come down through the map. Anyway, Steve Thorningcroft who I'd been hanging with, was upstairs on management, and I was a gym billet at this stage. He'd come through the lift, and I was going through, and the door was open, so I put my foot there, and the screws just gone, bang, nearly broke my foot, closed the door. I said, Steve, what's going on? He goes, I don't know, mate, they've got me upstairs. They're trying to break me. I said, mate, stay strong, you know, because, uh, you know, he, he had a little bit of empathy and compassion, this young fella. Later that day, I was moved straight out of that prison, straight to the yellow submarine, into a padded cell. I got bashed senseless. I was left there for a week. Anyways, a female screw in Queensland recalled what had actually happened and didn't understand why I had actually been moved because it was like a sort of a 
bit of a secret between the screws. And she didn't even understand. She said it was so bad, the whole operation. And on the window, I wrote in and blood, home sweets and home. And she never forgot that. And she she said she cried when she saw that, the screw and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, so these are the situations that we were getting put in. And, you know, Carl ends up getting knocked um, while I was at Loddon Prison. So I started um, hanging out with Rocco Rico and started having a coffee with him and things like that. And, you know, we started getting to know each other and, yeah, you know, Steve Asling, he was having his trial at the same time as me and Dane and all that were having trials and he was uh, pinched on um, killing the monster. Silly, you know, silly thing to do. I love the guy, Steve, you know. He was pinched with Normie Lee on the Great Bookie robbery. Um, but Normie Lee did the Great Bookie robbery allegedly with some other people and way back when in the day. But Steve went out with Normie on a um, job at Tullamarine Airport where there's about $3 million in cash. They got the cash. They were set up. Got special operations group were in the car park and bang, they pounced on him. Normie got shot to death and um, Steve Barchi got shot in the arm. Steve Vaseline's leg got blown out or, or, or knocked out. I, I'm not quite I'm sure. I can't remember. But, um, you know, love the guy, Steve. A lot of people are not a fan of him. But look, Steve Vaseline, I tell you what, has been a good, good friend to me. Yeah, I was in Charlotte with him. Um, oh, okay. in the in the management unit there yeah didn't speak to him but i knew he was there and um he'd been in for a long time you know what i mean very long time paul haig was there as well i mean did you have much contact with him man back in the pinchard days and that well no not really i used to hear him and julian carrying on you know kill each other and all that sort of shit but uh dane did dane and paul haig um so dane wanted paul haig to stab him so that he could go, I, I'm not sure what the whole story is, but it's out there, that, that story is out there. Paul, he want, Dane wanted Paul Haig to stab him and I didn't know whether they wanted to get out. And it was two other things I actually wanted to um, mention was uh, when I um, had that fight with uh, Peter Allen, Dr. Death's brother, um, that was the same yard as Chris Binns got stabbed um, and went to the hospital. His father smuggled him in a gun and, Chris Binns escaped and stuff like that. So that was from the same yard. And sorry about the language. It is fucking disgusting what the government knew and let happen in the boys' homes in every state. They let pedophiles manage us and we all got sexually assaulted. That's putrid, absolute putrid. And they thought they got away with it. They actually thought they got away with it until the Royal Commission went bang. And I believe it might have been the Catholic Church that condemned Pentridge and got it shut down. And so, you know, all this stuff um, rolled on and all these kids that have been traumatised and affected, like I said, my emotional state just was destroyed after 30 years of being tortured, sexually abused. What can you say? I think is it Brent Simpson went through similar stuff, yeah. you know. Brent well, a few, a few people who have been on the show have been through, been through similar things. Yeah. No, I never spoke about it until about two years ago. Never ever spoke about it. Would not speak. I denied it. I didn't yeah. want to fucking know. I mean, that's the reality of it as well. Is that the that they know what they're doing? You know what I mean? They know that. I mean, statistically, you know, it takes at least 
about 20, 30 years for a bloke to open up about any sorts of abuse that have happened, you know, and they know that, you know. I've got a full strike report that details everything in specific, and this bloke is dead on and with his own own theory was dead on. And, you know, I had prognosis that said um, suffer from complex PTSD, which is uh, you get in the army. It uh, rolls right, it just rolls right back to stuff. But um, you know these screws, and I wonder why they bash back then. And you know they were doing the bashing too. You know, getting around, you know, sexually abusing kids—they destroyed a lot of lives and a generation of probably beautiful kids that would have raised up to go on to be successful, but they didn't. And what they did is they created monsters, and then singled out and made examples of certain specific monsters because of their reputation. A, neo-Nazi, Chopper Reed, psychopath. The others are painter and dockers. Once you got a label, bang, that's it, they're on the other. Once they got their hooks in you, mate, that's it. And um, you go through this torturous life and you come out the other end, you know, you, you think you're a survivor. Yeah, I'm bloody survivor. And then you're faced with flashbacks, broken relationship due to my just the burden of my past. I mean, that as small as that, and it kicked me in the ass. So this oh. is where this life, this is where this life bloody leads you, mate. It's where it leads you mm. down yeah. down the path, death, destruction, or 20, 24 hour lockdown. That's right. That is where it leads. Um, but again, thank you for taking your time to um, to jump on the show and, and share your story again. I know once again that, you know, again, you're the most requested to have back on the show, you know, so. You're the one that's out there doing the show, changing lives, mate. Nah, thank you, man. Nah, I appreciate it. I mean, all, all glory, all glory. All glory to God, man. You know, he, he brings us together for a reason. You know, there's a there's a there's a greater purpose. And you know, you sharing your story with all of those views, brother. You know, I mean, not everyone leaves a comment, mate. Not not everyone reaches out. So you'll never actually know how much people your story has actually touched or how many lives you've actually um saved just by sharing your story, brother. But Look, man, again, thanks for taking the time to jump on. I mean, quickly, brother, so what is the future looking like for you, my man? All right, so I'm going to bring out a series of interviews and shows on YouTube to, you know, show that life and, you know, a couple of uh, messages there for kids and that, see if I can just make a little bit of a change. Next year I'm going to go to Europe and spend a bit of time in Europe and travel, Um, probably come across to New Zealand. (laughs) That's so us, I brother. I, I think I might just keep traveling, mate, at this stage. No, so I'm just, just getting myself together right now, getting myself organized together. Um, I've got some real old school friends that have just come to my aid and said, Hey, listen, we love you and we're here for you. We thought you were dead and we're here for you. So, you know, the chances I want to take them with me. Oh man, I'm excited for you, brother. And I'm definitely looking forward to you coming to New Zealand, man. Um, oh, day, uh, mate, I'm coming down. Yeah, we'll go to Rotorua, man. We'll go suss out those geysers, man. We'll jump in and have a swim and whatnot. But um, look, brother, again, uh, I really appreciate your time here. Um, we'll we'll definitely stay in contact anyway. And um, we'll talk we'll talk soon anyway, my brother. 
Yeah, no, no dramas. Thanks very much, Dave.